0: Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We wanna help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. It is an absolute blessing to have you here today. I am Paul M. Newberger, not only your host, but the founder of C-Suite for Christ. We are an international ministry of Christian business executives. And boy, we are growing like weeds. Praise God. Praise God. It's really all about him. We need to diminish so he can be exalted. And we, uh, we pride ourselves on telling the world whose we are as opposed to who we are. We are nearly 2,100 Christian business executives all over the world. And we get together to pray for each other, support each other, encourage each other, witness to one another. But I would say, most importantly, we get together to subscribe to the Great Commission which is to go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we do so very unapologetically, which can be kind of tough in this uh, society today, political correctness, cancel culture and uh, whatnot. So it's a blessing to have you here. If you like this podcast, please prayerfully consider sharing it with other people in your network. Put it on their radar. Ask them to subscribe because the better we do by the metrics, the more this very important message is going to get out. And then what I would also say, too, before we get into the uh, the topic at hand here today, is uh, also, if, if, if you like what you hear in the podcast, go to our website, csweetforchrist.com. It would be a blessing to have you join our ministry. Maybe you become a, an official member. Maybe you join our monthly gatherings, attend some of our weekly ministries. Whatever you do, do something. Because this world needs Christ now more than ever. Got a bit of a a funny, so I don't know how this popped in my head. You ever have that where you're just thinking about A and then all of a sudden XYZ pops into your head? It's kind of crazy how that works, but it uh, it does remind me a little bit of when I was a kid. I don't know how old I was. I was probably 12 or 13, and we were playing little league baseball. Baseball's always been my favorite sport, boy hottie. Just absolutely love baseball. And because I'm domiciled here in southeastern Wisconsin, go Brewers. I don't know why they 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 traded Josh Hader. I I don't know where I stand on that. But anywho, uh playing little league baseball and um it was my brother's my brother's two years younger than me and he was playing his game he was then the minors I was in the majors and boy I tell you I reminded him of I reminded him about that all the time hey how's the minor leagues I like it up here in the major leagues now it was all based on age not talent but I like to kind of hold that over my brother anyway anyway watching my brother play and it's like five inning games when you're that age and it's like the third inning so I'm getting ready to go and um You know, it was my brother's turn, I guess, to provide the after game snack. And uh, my mom had a bunch of juice boxes and bananas and stuff in our minivan. So she told me, hey, Paul, you know, I don't want to I don't want to stop watching. I want to be here to support uh, your brother and everything. Hey, would you mind running to the van and uh, picking up those items? I said, no, that's okay. I got uh, got another inning or so before. I'm due to take the field, so I remember the. I grew up in Cudahy, Wisconsin. If you're familiar with the Cudahy area, and it was Lattish Park or Lattish Field, whatever they called it, so you had to walk. You had to walk like down this long path because on the one side of the path was this huge grove of trees and a train track, and they didn't want you to cut over the train track, so you had to walk all the way up, then you had to go around the trees, and then you had to walk all the way back to the parking lot. Now, I forget the uh, the brand and make of my parents' minivan. All I just remember it was a minivan, and it was this interesting color of blue, kind of like a, a light blue, uh, maybe whatever shade is just before a sky blue. And um, I walk up to the van. There it is. And um, my mom had said that she left the door unlocked. So I'm pulling on the door, and the door is not opening. That, that, that's kind of weird. Uh, so I go around the other side to, to hit the other door that, that door is not opening either. Um, I, I go to the front of the van and, you know, I'm just kind of trying to look in to see, well, I mean, are one of the doors unlocked? Am I just an idiot? Can I not unlock these doors? Actually, uh, climbed onto the hood briefly (laughs) just to see how, 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 how could, because my mom really, when we were at Lattish, because there was always so much going back and forth into the van, she never locked the van. Well, why the heck is it locked? I'm looking in there and No, I I don't see any of that, uh, any of the unlock signs on any of the doors. So I get off the hood and I go all the way around again. By this time, like a half inning has passed. And I go back to my mom. I said, Mom, you got to unlock the door. She said, Paul, I did unlock the door. The door is always unlocked. Uh, So she gives me the key this time. Oh, okay. All right, great. So take that long walk over, go around the grove of trees. I go back into the parking lot. And uh, just to make sure I wasn't a moron before I put the key in, I, I tried both the doors on either side. Nope, didn't work. So now I take the key. I put the key in, the key goes in, but the key won't turn. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. What, what What is going on here? I mean, it fits, it fits, but it's not turning. I'm turning it to the left. It won't go. I'm turning it to the right. It won't go. Maybe it's, maybe it's this door on the left side. So then I get up and I go around the right side. Same thing. It fits into the, the keyhole. I turn it. Nothing happens. <laughs> Man, we're probably like in the bottom of the fourth now. I got a ball game to play. All this for juice boxes and bananas is driving me nuts. I go all the way back to my mom. And, you know, I've never been a very patient guy. I I, I don't, you know, I understand that patience is a virtue. But even as a kid, I'm getting annoyed and probably smarted back to my mom. Come on, mom. I got to get on the field. I got to warm up. Come on. How how am I going to hit three home runs today if I'm worried about bananas and juice boxes? This is stupid. Well, my mom. I, I, <laughs> I love my mom, and if you're listening to this, mom, I love you, and and I, I, I'm i so thankful God brought you into my life. But my mom and me, we, we, we both have a similar temperament. You know, uh, we, we tend to escalate things before de-escalation. Mom, this sucks. Well, Paul, do you know how to use a key? Of course I know how to use a key. I'm 12 years old. Well, then you, you come on, then make it work. Well, then my mom finally says, fine, I'm coming with you. My gosh, Brian, you know, your brother, I I, I want him to know that I'm supporting him. But here's my son, the moron, who, who, for whatever reason, the unlocked car is locked. And even then with the key, he can't solve it. So we got to take that long walk. And we're like fuming the entire way. We go around the grove of trees. We go back to the van. And as I head to the van, my mom starts going in a different direction. I'm like, mom, where are you going? The van is here. She looks at me and she says, that's not our van. Ugh. My My parents' van was like 50 feet down in the other direction. This van was identical. It was the same make. It was the same model. It was the same color. But it was the wrong van. So I fo- I follow my mom to the 50 feet down there. Sure enough, it's the van our van, it's unlocked. The juice boxes and the bananas are right there in the cooler, just like she said. Thankfully, uh, again, when we realized what happens, I I was a little peeved because of all the time, energy, and effort that I wasted. But we did have a a rather good chuckle at that. (laughs) Here I am doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing. I go to where the van was. I couldn't get in. I try to get into the van from multiple vantage points. I couldn't get in. I even thought what I had was the key to the van. I couldn't get in. I wonder what ramifications this story has for us as Christians. Because for me, again, just to go back to that story and use it as an example, I thought I knew exactly where the van was. Nope. I thought I knew exactly how to get into that van. Nope. I thought I had a key to unlock that van and get me admittance. Nope. And I was in for a very rude surprise when all of these things I assumed, all of these things I took for granted, all of these things that I thought would just happen didn't. And I worry that a lot of Christians, not only in this country, but around this world, are going to have a similarly rude awakening when they die and they go to have that conversation with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the thing you have to notice, or the thing you have to really kind of understand here, is that it is a very narrow door to get into heaven. And I don't think everybody fully appreciates that, recognizes that, and puts a lot of priority and importance into that. You see, I, I think a lot of people believe, a lot of Christians believe that they know where heaven is. They know the location. Uh, the, 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 the location to heaven Is through me doing good works. It's through me living a good life. It's through me donating to charity. It's through me helping the widow across the street. It's through me making the world a better place. I know where heaven is. I think some people also believe that when they die and get to heaven, that door, or when they die and talk to their Lord and Savior anyway, for the most part, that door is going to be unlocked hey, I did the things that I was supposed to do in this life. I followed the Ten Commandments. I read scripture. I said prayers. Sure, that door is going to be unlocked. I'm going to go right in and be able to enjoy the spoils that are waiting for me in heaven. Or I think there's some people that truly believe they have the key for heaven. Again, the, the key is in being a good person. The key is in living a good life. The key is in... Doing what God has commanded me to do, going to church, raising my children, giving to charity, that type of thing. And I worry about those people because I believe those people are going to be in for a rude awakening when that time comes. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's bad to be a good person. Quite the contrary. It, it, it's amazing to be a good person. I'm not saying it's bad to go to church. I'm not saying it's bad to read scripture. I'm not saying it's bad to follow the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying that it's bad to help out your brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. That's good. That must be there. That's in, that's that's an encouraging way to live your life. But the thing you must understand is Gaining admittance into heaven has nothing to do with deeds, has nothing to do with actions. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You just can't do that. None of us deserve to be in heaven. None of us should be going to heaven. None of us are entitled to spend eternity in paradise. The only reason we have the potential of getting into heaven is because God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross, a horrific death, so that the sins of our past can be washed clean. It has nothing to do with deeds and everything to do with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living a life that is plugged into him. You can do good deeds without really knowing Jesus Christ. You can be a good person without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have a ton of friends all over the world. But if you don't truly believe with every fiber of your being that God is your Lord and Savior and Heavenly Father, for the most part, it's all for naught. Well, Paul, that that just doesn't seem fair. Well, what is fair? Let's talk about that for a minute. Fair. You you hear that in society a lot. You hear that in politics. You hear that in race relations. You hear that in criminal justice reform. You hear that in the world of business. Well, that's not fair. You want to know what's fair? Fair would be none of us get into heaven because we don't deserve it. Fair would be none of us get redeemed of our sins because we're all busted, broken, sinful, horrible people at the end of the day. There would be all of us in a lake of fire in hell because of original sin, because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, because of the fact that they were banished. That's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, if God was so loving, why would there be a hell? If God was so loving, why wouldn't he let everybody into heaven? You have it backwards. You have it backwards. God has been chasing us. Since the original sin, God has been trying to bring us back into the fold and we keep turning our back on Him. It's not the other way around. God created the Garden of Eden so that He could live in harmony with all of His creation forever, forever. And we screwed it up. We ate of the forbidden fruit, we disobeyed God. Adam and Eve were banished from the kingdom. Now, because of that, you got Cain and Abel with the murder, you've got violence, you've got people going away from God, you've got, as it says, painful childbirth, men really having to toil now with their labor, the work is now tedious, and then the rest of history speaks for itself. All of that was because of us, but God, if it was fair, God would have said, "That you reap what you sow. Tough beans, no heaven for you. You're all committed to hell. You can thank Adam and Eve for that. But that's not what he did. God loves us so much. God loves his creation so much. God wants all of us so much to repent of our ways and enjoy paradise with him that he sent his only son. How many children do you have? How many children do you have? If you don't have any children, how many nieces or nephews do you have? If you don't have any children or nieces or nephews, think of one of your best friends. Your best friend, your favorite niece or nephew, one of your favorite children. Now, you probably can't pick that, but you'll just pick one of your children. Imagine, imagine sending that person to die for a bunch of total strangers who turned their back on you. That's what God did. And because he did that, we have the ability to gain eternal life. Fair would be that we're all going to hell. Thanks, Adam and Eve. So don't talk to me about fair. It's not fair that this guy. He's a good person. He goes to those bake sales. He's in church every weekend. Sure, he doesn't really, you know, believe in God or or, or have that really strong relationship, but he lives a good life. Pays his taxes. Waves at his neighbor. Snow blows the old lady's driveway. Again, that's all good. We, we need good people in the world, but it's a very narrow door to get into heaven. And a lot of people that think they're going to heaven aren't because they haven't solidified that relationship with their Lord and Savior. They haven't brought Jesus Christ into their heart and soul. And until that happens, you're going to be on the outside of the blue minivan wondering how the heck did this happen? And the problem is, unlike my story, when I went back to my mom three times to try to figure it out, you won't have a do-over at that point. You're dead. You're done. Your earthly body is no more. All you have is your soul. And at that point, when you go to Jesus and Jesus says, sorry, this door is locked to you, what are you going to say? Oh, uh, can you, can you, I'm sorry. Can you, can you send me back again? I want to I try that again. No. Uh, I, I, I was just really too busy, Lord. You know, come on. I was too busy doing those bake sales and and, and, and and snow blowing and raking leaves. I just didn't have time for a relationship with you. Nope. You have zero do over when you die. When are you going to die? When are you going to die? Tell me right now, when are you going to die? You have no idea. Now I'm not trying to be crass. Yeah. I'm really not. Like if if, if you, if you're suffering from a terminal illness, I don't mean any offense. I mean, In that case, you you might have an idea of how long you have in this world. And obviously, you're in my prayers if that's the case. But just about all of us have no idea. I'm 39 years old. I'm very healthy. I'm vibrant. I'm energized. I'm full of life. This could be the last conversation I have with anybody because I could drop dead from a brain aneurysm as soon as this podcast is done. Are my affairs in order? Do I have Jesus in my heart? Have I accepted my Lord and Savior? into my soul with all my being. Gosh, if you can't answer that in the affirmative, man, you might be on the outside of that blue minivan and you don't have any do-overs. It'll be too late when you realize that. And just in case you think I'm making this up, just in case you think I'm over-dramatizing this, just in in case you think, gosh, Paul, really, come on, it really can't be that bad. One of the things that I love about us at C-Suite for Christ is we put absolutely zero stock in the human word. None. We put all of our stock in the Holy Word, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Listen to me, sure, but as Ronald Reagan said once when he was president, trust but verify. Hey, Paul made a pretty compelling case. Is he right? I'm a human. I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm sinful. I suck half the time. A lot of the stuff is coming out of my own filter, and my filter is cloudy. We're We're all humans. It's not the pure clean drinking water of Christ. The pure, clean drinking water of Christ could only be had by reading scripture. So don't put your stock in me. Listen to me, trust me, but verify what I'm telling you. And the best way to verify that is by looking at scripture. I will do the verification for you. And if you want to do your own research, I would encourage you to do that. Let's go to Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 27. And again, as as I'm reading this, just in case it helps. I mean, I am a, a sales trainer after all. So one of the things I like to do with my sales training clients is to have them picture something, visual imagery. It's one thing to listen, but if you can paint a picture and people are looking at an image as they're kind of following along or picturing something in their head, it helps solidify it that much more. That's why I've led with that story of, of me in the minivan. Maybe think about that when you listen to this, and I think it's going to paint a very powerful, vivid picture in your mind. Again, Luke, Chapter 13, verses 22 through 27. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door to us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. I'm not kidding. I got goosebumps right now. I'm not even kidding. I'm looking at them right now. If that doesn't put some hair on your chest, what are you listening to this podcast for? I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. What could be more important than the answer to this question? Where are you going to spend eternity? What is more important than that question right now? And again, we're humans. We all fall into this. I, I I fell into this this morning. i I'm not perfect. How many times have I said that already in this podcast? I'm not perfect. I suck. I make I make mistakes all the time. I screw things up. I can't believe my wife is still married to me or my kids still talk to me based on the mistakes and the stupid decisions that I make. I don't know everything. I woke up this morning and I had worries on my mind. I'm human. Thinking about cash flow for my businesses. Thinking about some of the uh, proposals I got to put together. Why, how am I going to do this? Are, are, are these ones really going to work? Thinking about what content I'm going to put on social media this morning. Make sure that you're following me on LinkedIn and Facebook, by the way. And and, and various things like that. I mean, again, it you have to think about those things. The problem is, I think we get so caught up in those questions, so caught up in those issues, so caught up in those feelings, so caught up in what we deem is important that we don't stop to think, to ask ourselves once a day, once a week, once a month, sometimes once a year, gosh, where am I going to be spending eternity? Your bills are not more important than that. Your family is not more important than that. Your community is not more important than that. Nothing is more important than that. I'm not saying be a selfish, greedy SOB. I'm saying where you spend eternity is the most important thing. This life that we're living, this existence that we're living, it's but a grain of sand on an entire beach. We're dust, we're wind, poof. One day we're here, one day we're gone. Eternity is a big old word, eternity. Some of us are going to live 70 years, maybe more, maybe less. Eternity, in the words of One of my favorite movies, The Sandlot, is forever, forever. Now, if you've never seen The Sandlot, you probably think I'm an idiot right now. But trust me, go see The Sandlot. You'll you'll, you'll see. It's one of my favorite movies. But anyway, eternity is forever. 50 years is nothing. 70 years is nothing. If you live to be 100, that's nothing compared to eternity. Where are you going to spend it? I love this verse. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 27. Again, it's a narrow door. None of us should expect to go to heaven, even even the best Christians, because none of us deserve to go there. We should always be thinking, gosh, am I, am I, am I, and again, it's not so much, am I doing enough? It's, am I letting my Lord and Savior in enough? I mean, what's haunting about this verse is you got these people walking up to their master's house. And what are they expecting? It's like me in the minivan. They're they're expecting the door to be unlocked. And they're shocked when it's locked. What the heck? Oh, he he must have just made a mistake. No problem. I'll knock on the door and he'll let me in. They knock on the door. And what does the master say? I don't know you. And the people in this verse are stunned. What do you mean? What do you mean you don't know me? God, God, it's me. It's me. What are you talking about? We, we, We ate with you. We drank with you. We spent time in the streets with you. What are you talking about? Come on. Not only does that not convince God. What does he say? He says, away from me, which is, which, which is painful enough, but then to put the salt in the wounds, you evildoer. You evildoer. Wow. This is powerful stuff. And if this, again, doesn't make you Gosh, I don't know what. If this doesn't make shivers go down your spine, there's something going on here. What does this mean? One of my my favorite verses in the New Testament, is and I, I I can't quote. I don't have it called up on my computer. Here. I, can't, I can't quote it, but I'll, I'll summarize it. You you can look it up, Google it, go to a Bible Gateway or whatever app that you use, whatever the case may be. But but Saint Paul wrote, but not Saint Paul. Uh, Paul the Apostle wrote this in one of his letters when when his his churches were, were falling apart. One of his churches were just were just going all over the place, and, and he says, "Well, are we now in the position where we're trying to please man? Because if you're trying to please man, you cannot call yourself a servant of Christ." It's hard to avoid pleasing man in society today. I want to share my faith on social media, but I I don't want to offend anybody, so I don't. You, in that case, are a pleaser of people, and you, in that case, cannot consider yourself a servant of Christ. That's what we're talking about here with this narrow door. You're basically, in effect, telling the world, yeah, I, I, I don't know Jesus. Remember Peter? Do you remember Peter? Right before the crucifixion? of Jesus Christ at the last supper. What what would Peter do? Peter told, or uh, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the uh, rooster crows. Get out of here, Peter said. I'm following you all over the world. Get out of here. I left my fishing boat. I left my family. I'm subjecting myself to ridicule and persecution for you, my Lord and Savior. I'm going to deny you. Come on, never. And even Peter says, Lord, I will die for you before I deny you. And again, what happens? You you know the story. It's one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. Hey, surely you were with him. I have no idea what you're talking about, sir. Hey, that accent, you, you must be with the Galilean. Man, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, 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 no. I saw you working with him. Sir, I've never met that man in my life. And then the rooster crows. Jesus and Peter lock eyes. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. There's two ways that we deny jesus christ we deny jesus christ by commission and omission and if you're listening to this podcast i'm gonna bet dollars to donuts you've never denied jesus by commission commission is just flat out saying it no i don't know I don't, that god thing Nah, that's not for me maybe we've done that to, to to fit in once in a while maybe we've done that to please somebody the opposite sex maybe we've done that to whatever get out of a sticky situation i would never recommend that by the way ever ever You had people in Scripture that uh, died before they renounced their faith. So I would never do that, but, you know, maybe it's happened once or twice. But I truly believe just about everybody, myself included, myself included, has denied Jesus often by omission. Commission is what you do. Omission is what you fail to do. I was with that guy that was hurting Man, that was a good opportunity to share Jesus Christ with him. I didn't do that. Oh, on social media, man, that one guy made a comment about that thing, and I really wanted to share my faith and how my faith guides my behavior in this regard. I was just too nervous I didn't do that. You know, gosh, my my parents gave me that leather-bound Bible. I've, I've been wanting to tear into that for the longest time, but I just made that... The bottom of my priority list day in and day out. And I just, I just never really got into that. You know, we had family dinners a lot growing up. And uh, it was, I was, you know, for months, I just thought, you know, maybe we should start, we should have a bit of a prayer and talk about um, our relationship for Jesus and why it's important. But nah, I just never, never made that a priority. When you deny Jesus by commission and omission, you're basically telling the world, I don't know him. I don't know this man. I don't have a relationship with this guy. Jesus, who's that? Who are you talking about? You do that. Don't be surprised when you knock on the door and God says, "Eh, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, you evildoer. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? I'm a good guy. That doesn't matter. I lived a good life. Doesn't matter. I was nice to people. Doesn't matter. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to accept him into your heart, into your soul, with every fiber of your being. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to be the most important relationship that you have. But most important, I shouldn't say most importantly, that is most important. But secondarily, as I said at the onset of the show, he also wants us to follow the Great Commission. If you had a, let, let, let's just go back. Let's just go back in time. Now, again, I, I don't know what your relationship status is, but let's imagine you're with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, or let's imagine that you're married. You know, when those relationships are brand new, you just you can't shut up about it. Oh, I met this girl. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. about. I mean, you could be going to the the local grocery store. You're in the checkout line. And the the woman checking you out says, anything else today, sir? Yeah, let me tell you about this date I was on yesterday. Oh, my gosh. She's the greatest thing in the history of the world. You're telling your goldfish about this woman. You just can't shut up about it because you're so excited. It's a new relationship. You love it. You can't get enough of it. That's what God and Jesus want from you. You love them so much, you can't be quiet about it. You care about them so much, you're going to tell the world about it. You're telling the world not who you are, but whose you are. You're proudly proclaiming your love for your heavenly Father, for your Lord and Savior. And to go back to what I said earlier about the Apostle Paul, if we're living a life worried about pleasing man, we cannot call ourselves a servant of Christ. Are you having a good day today, sir? Oh, I am, because oh, God is good, and God has blessed me. If you're offended by that, I don't care. I'm a servant of Christ, not a servant of man. I go to social media this morning, share a Bible verse. Four people get upset. One of them was maybe going to hire me for my sales training services. I'm not hiring that Bible thumper anymore. I don't care. I don't care. I'm a servant of Christ, not a pleaser of man. Will you please join me today in being a servant of, of Christ and not a pleaser of man because the risks of today, the risk of cancel culture, the risk of political correctness, the risk of a lawsuit, the risk of offending somebody, the risk of losing a relationship, the risk of being labeled a Jesus freak, the risk of losing your job, the risk of losing your house, the risk of losing respect from your neighbors is minuscule, microscopic compared to the risk of not gaining entry into that narrow door. And if you don't get into that narrow door, if I don't get into that narrow door, if our families don't get into that narrow door, we have nobody to blame. But ourselves. One of the ways I truly believe that you can ensure you get into that narrow door is by making Christ a priority, making your spiritual development a priority. And one of the best ways to do that is to surround yourself with other believers, other Christians people that can push you, people that can challenge you, people that can hold you accountable. As it says in the book of Proverbs, iron sharpens iron after all. And to have a spiritual accountability system, to have people in your life that don't so much care about you as the person, they care about you at the level of your soul. That can literally make the difference of whether you get into that narrow door or not. So with that being said, if you'd like to check out the C-Suite for Christ ministry, it'd be a blessing to have you investigate us a little bit further. As I said, we are planting chapters now all over the world. Our home office here in the southeastern Wisconsin area, we get together the third Wednesday of every month. You can join us either in person or via live stream. We have this podcast. We have a radio show. We have a television show. And we're growing like gangbusters because I truly believe a lot of people are recognizing if left to my own devices, I get too busy. If left to my own devices, I lose my nerve. If left to my own devices, I let society bully me into silence. But when I'm surrounded with Christian business executives that have created Christ-centric corporate cultures that are on fire for the Lord who have developed unique ways of staying plugged into their Lord and Savior despite the busyness of society today, and who also want to see me get into that narrow door because that's what we're called to do as Christians, I can't think of a better organization than ours to ensure that that happens. So if you want to learn more, go to our website, please, csweetforchrist.com. You can sign up to become an official member of our ministry. You can attend one of our monthly gatherings. We have several weekly ministry options. Again, we're all over social media. So even if you just want to dip your toe in the water and start a little more slowly, Follow us, like us, subscribe to us, share our content. One of the ways that you can make sure that your relationship with your Lord and Savior gets deepened is just by listening to this podcast on a regular basis, sharing it with others. And then when you're comfortable, start to take that next step. I'm blessed because I had a do-over, multiple do-overs when I was 12 or 13 years old and I was locked out of the family's blue minivan. You and I are not going to have any do-overs when our time on this earth is done, when our earthly body is left behind, and we're looking at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ face-to-face. And since we don't know when that time is going to come, let's prioritize our relationship with Christ to ensure that we all make it through that narrow door. I'm Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csuiteforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. saw you in my dreams before i came here i will keep you in my dreams when i leave here i won't forget you no, no, no no i won't forget you you're like one of a kind and my eyes light up when i think about you i won't forget you life goes on and on and